The world came together over the past few months to protest against racial injustice. The name George Floyd has been chanted all over the globe. But there's another name which initially didn't get a lot of attention, but has slowly become the rallying call for people crying out for justice and change. And that name is Breonna Taylor. Public pressure is now mounting with protests and celebrities speaking out. Breonna Taylor's life mattered. Do you know what happened to Breonna Taylor? Celebrities from Ali Wong, Kerry Washington, and Cardi B saying her name. Do you know Brianna Taylor's story, her whole story? I want her family to know, and I want the state of Kentucky to know um, that we feel for it and we want justice. The WNBA dedicating this season to social justice. We are dedicating this season to Brianna Taylor, an outstanding EMT who was murdered over 130 days ago. For the first time in 20 years, Oprah Winfrey is giving up the cover of her own magazine, putting the late Brianna Taylor on it instead. Yes, from LeBron James to Oprah Winfrey, Meghan Markle to the WNBA, the tidal wave of support for Brianna Taylor has been swelling day by day. And the support has even spread to social media platforms like Instagram and TikTok, which is fantastic, but it's unfortunately also come with downsides. Because if you're online a lot, you've probably seen Brianna Brianna Taylor being turned into just another meme. You know, whether it's putting her name on a picture of Rihanna's ass or mentioning her death in some caption of a random selfie. And the truth is, it's like this is a weird amalgam of, of a few things. You have this relatively new phenomenon of using social media to push for justice and reform, which is good. But the downside of that, the downside is social media is a medium that doesn't always do sincerity well. It doesn't do selflessness well. That struggles to give tragedies the gravity that they deserve. And so you have maybe well-intentioned people who want to keep the name trending and they want to see Brianna Taylor get justice, but now essentially using her name as a punchline. Because memes are not the best way to honor someone who has passed. I mean, it's the reason Obama didn't dab at John Lewis's funeral today. And so today on the show, as painful as it is, I wanted to take the time to either remind people or inform people about the story of Brianna Taylor, not as a slogan or a post on your social media feed, but as a human being. Brianna Taylor, she's more than just a movement, a hashtag, or a moment. The 26-year-old was an EMT working in emergency rooms at two hospitals and help helping respond to the coronavirus outbreak. She loved to help people. Brianna loved family. She just was she was a very sweet person and she went out of her way for anybody 26 and full of life this is brianna taylor etched in her family's memories dancing with friends singing her favorite songs buying her dream car she loved life she loved to be around friends and family she just she had it figured out that's right Brianna Taylor was a friend, a daughter, an EMT worker working to help save people's lives and apparently one hell of a TikTok dancer. And by the way, it's actually nice to see the news covering a black person's death at the hands of police by using their good pictures and not that one picture that makes us all look like we've robbed 50 banks. I mean, you know Brianna Taylor was a great person because if she had jaywalked once, 
The news would have been like frequent jaywalker and occasional EMT. Brianna Taylor was sadly killed by the police. So for 26 years, Brianna Taylor lived her life to the fullest. But then on a random night out of nowhere, the Louisville Police Department turned her into a statistic. On March 13th, as Brianna and her boyfriend, Kenny Walker, lay asleep in their bed, plainclothes police officers broke down their door using a battering ram on a no-knock drug warrant. Kenny, thinking intruders were violently breaking in, grabbed his licensed gun. Walker says they didn't say they were the police before he fired off a shot from a gun. The officers responded with a hail of gunfire. When the door comes off the hinges, it's just, it's happening fast, like it was like an explosion. Walker said he purposely aimed his gun towards the ground. Sergeant John Mattingly was struck in the leg and was one of three officers who returned fire. Detective Brett Hankison was standing outside and fired 10 rounds through a closed and curtained patio door. According to Louisville's police chief, his blind shooting displayed an extreme indifference to the value of human life. The gunshots whizzed through walls, windows, bullet holes were found everywhere, in the kitchen, bedrooms, in a neighbor's apartment with small children nearby. Multiple neighbors called 911 asking for police, only finding out later it was the police. You know, almost every time we hear a story involving a police shooting, I'm always shocked at how badly trained and not in control the police seem. Brianna Taylor's boyfriend was lying in bed heard his door get smashed in, grabbed his legal firearm, and had the presence of mind to try and injure the intruder by aiming down. But the cops, who are supposed to be trained professionals, they burst in like they get paid by the bullets. And for anyone who has the audacity to blame Brianna's boyfriend for shooting at the cops, please answer me this question. If America tells people to get a gun to defend themselves from intruders, but the cops are the intruders breaking down the door without knocking, what are you supposed to do? To an innocent person, there is zero difference between a no-knock raid and a home invasion. If someone busts down your door in the middle of the night, you're gonna think that they're intruders, not, oh, the cops might be here, or damn, Uber Eats is coming in hot tonight. In fact, it would be weird if you didn't use your gun in that situation. I mean, if not then, what are you saving it for? To be honest, we shouldn't even be calling these things no-knock raids. That gives them too much credit. We should just drop the euphemism and call it what it is, a home invasion where police get to act like they're in a video game. The police break down the door without warning. They shoot Breonna Taylor eight times in her own house. And what makes the story even more tragic is that the cops should never have even been in that house in the first place. Police got five warrants approved. Four were for suspected drug dealers and suspected drug houses. Lumped into that with similar language was the warrant for Breonna Taylor's apartment. Under the suspicion, she was involved with handling money and drugs for an alleged Louisville drug dealer, her ex-boyfriend, Jamarcus Glover. She hadn't dated Glover in months. A package police say they saw Glover picking up at Taylor's apartment was likely a pair of shoes, according to the family attorney. And despite what officers were told before the raid, Brianna Taylor certainly did not live alone. When it was all over, police found no drugs, no money in her apartment. Before going into Brianna Taylor's home, police were actually warned that she would be very little threat, if no threat at all. Yes, they used bogus intel and they came in guns blazing, yeah. even though they knew she wasn't a threat. Every step of the way this investigation ran, the police screwed up. They made a million mistakes, which is a million more than any black person is ever allowed to make. 
And honestly, with the amount of mistakes that the police made throughout the entire process, I don't even know if it's fair to call them mistakes at this point. Because a mistake is something you do by accident. But these cops blatantly ignored so many protocols and so much information. At some point, it moves from a mistake to just actively not giving a f***. And it's bad enough when you learn what these people did in the heat of the moment. But in a way, what's even worse is what they did when they had the time to think. Breonna Taylor was alive for several minutes after police shot her five times. And for more than 20 minutes after Taylor was fatally shot, Taylor 26 lay where she fell in her hallway, receiving no medical attention, according to dispatch logs. You see her boyfriend after the shooting being arrested here in the parking lot. Police tried to charge him with attempting to kill police officers, but those charges were later dropped. A recently released police incident report from that night is mostly blank. It claims there was no forced entry. It does list Taylor as a victim of a crime. And under injuries, it says none, even though Taylor was shot eight times. You see, it's one thing to quote unquote, shoot someone accidentally wow. eight times, but leaving her on the floor without wow. any medical attention, that isn't an accident. That's just a blatant disregard for black life. And on top of all of that, the cops submitted a mostly blank incident report, really? You really couldn't think of anything that you could write on that report? Not even, oh, we f***ed up? These officers are so bad, they couldn't even solve the murder that they committed? And right now, the Attorney General of Kentucky says that they're investigating Breonna Taylor's killing. But it's been four months. And in that four months, yeah. they've seemed to find a way to arrest somebody. It's been more than four months since 26-year-old EMT Brianna Taylor was shot and killed in her own home. So far, there have been no charges filed against the three white officers involved. By comparison, though, this week, it took just one day to file felony charges against more than 80 protesters who went to the home of Kentucky Attorney General calling for justice in Brianna's killing. Wow. Every single day wow, really? in America. We're reminded what? that there are different criminal justice systems yes. depending on who you are. That's it. There's one for the rich That's it. and there's one for the poor. Yeah. There's one for white people and, one for and there's a different one for black people. And apparently there's also one for those who oppose police brutality and for those who commit it. Now I won't lie, the one bit of hope that I have seen from this is that the protests are actually getting results. Because a few months ago, almost nobody had heard of this case. But now, thanks to people taking to the streets and relentlessly pushing for justice, some changes are being made, yeah. including Brianna's law, yeah. which bans no-knock cool. warrants yes, in right. Louisville. Go ahead, girl. But the truth is, we have so much more work to do. Yes. Because what happened to Brianna Taylor, it's not just a few bad cops. It's not even really just about the cops. It's also the legislature that gave them the power to break into houses, the judge that signed the warrant, the police department that didn't act against these officers, and the county that charged the protesters mm -hmm. for challenging these rules. Yes. In other words, what happened to Breonna Taylor wasn't a failure of the system. It was the system working as it's intended. And that is why people are fighting for the system to be changed. Yes. Well, that's our show for tonight. But before we go, I just wanted to remind you that America is facing a nationwide poll worker shortage. Now, because most poll workers are over 60 and coronavirus is still in the air, many of them are understandably not showing up. But fewer poll workers means fewer polling stations are open, and it also means longer lines that not everybody can afford to stay and wait in. But the good news is, most poll working is paid. And in some states, poll workers can be as young as 16 to join in. 
Now, I just wanted to say thank you, because over the past few weeks, we've partnered with Power to the Polls to ask all of you to join in if you can, and over 60,000 of you have signed up. So thank you to all of you who are giving your time to save your granny and protect democracy. And if you haven't signed up yet, mm-hmm. but you want to join, all you've got to do is go to the link below. Save your granny. Yeah, we, we, we have to um, come together. We really have to come together. And I've been saying that all the time. It's the laws that has to be changed. Because we're protesting and the the voice is being heard. And they're silencing the voice by the arrest. But the arrest is coming on the wrong side. And for Breonna Taylor, I think that's very horrific. For a young woman, a young black woman with two jobs, working at two hospitals, as an EMT, that's an emergency. She is saving lives, and the police who's supposed to be protecting and serve took her life because of a discrepancy in the warrant. The no-knock law needs to be dismantled. And I love the phrase that uh, Reverend Lawson spoke at John Lewis' home going. That the discrepancies of the law must be dismantled. And we must continue to pursue changes with the law. All this violent protesting it is what it is with that and we also see that our administration is not cooling it off he's agitating it more and that's why it's so important that everyone get out and vote mail it in go and stand in that line and vote but Vote and take part of your community. Go to these home meetings, these home, these neighborhood town home hall meetings, hall meetings. That's what I wanted to say. Town hall meetings. The town hall meetings are like them little secret meetings that don't expect blacks to show up. You need to start showing up, people, at these meetings. You be amazed on what you hear and what resolutions they begin to write out to bring to their representative of the state. And see, that's how laws began. Okay? So, Brianna Taylor, we pray for the families of Brianna Taylor to comfort the heart, and we are still crying out for justice for her. We will not let evil reign. We will not let evil reign. Women. Often black women, black
black trans women are left out of the conversation. While the names most associated with the Black Lives Matter movement are male, black women and girls are regularly victim to police brutality in the US. Black women's experiences of police brutality tend to receive far less media and political attention. Dealing with this double layer of discrimination, black women have often been at the heart of key civil rights movements. For example, the Black Lives Matter movement, founded by three women back in 2013. Yeah, think about it. There's this giant historic movement sweeping the country, and 99% of us have never even heard of the women who founded it, which is pretty egregious. I mean, we all know who founded KFC. And that's not even a movement for racial equality. I mean, that's just a movement for destroying your bowels. And look, I'll be honest. I didn't know black women started the Black Lives Matter movement, partly because Aunt Becky told me it was her daughter. It was really convincing. She had a resume and everything. But the unfortunate truth is overlooking the role of black women in leading movements of social justice isn't anything new. As we'll find out in another installment of If You Don't Know, Now You Know. Although black women have been the pioneers of so many movements that have changed the world, the erasure of black women from the story of these movements is something we've seen many times throughout American history, starting all the way back with the women's suffrage movements. African-American women in particular played a significant and sometimes overlooked role in the suffrage movement. There were African-American women fighting for suffrage from the beginning. You know Sojourner Truth in the time of the Civil War, Ida B. Wells Barnett and Mary Church Terrell. They built a movement that would grow to half a million, but they would never find acceptance among mainstream suffragists. At that time, suffrage leaders were actively wooing Southern white members to appease the Southerners White suffragists found it expedient to abandon their black sisters. They minimized the presence of black women in that struggle, Elizabeth Cady Stanton, seized control of suffrage history and this multi-volume book that still dominates the histories and essentially wrote black women out of that. That's right. Black suffragettes were literally written out of the history books by white women in the movement. And just look at their faces. It's like they had already seen the future and they were like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to get credit for any of this, am I? Because the truth is, certain white feminist heroes were super problematic. I mean, people remember them like they were early versions of Wonder Woman, when in reality, they were more like the mom from Get Out. Now, you may not be surprised that these 1920s Karens were eager to accept black women's work, but give them none of the credit. But what may surprise you is that black men in the civil rights movement were also happy to do a similar thing. Most women who worked in the movement, who were the actual backbone of the civil rights movement, were not really known. Media attention would always be drawn to the men of the movement as they're doing work, the Martin Luther Kings and others, but would not necessarily go to women like Ella Baker, who was a longtime activist who helped to nurture and birth the student movement. Diane Nash was the lead strategist behind the sit-ins in Nashville and the Freedom Riders. She played a critical role in organizing the the Dorothy Height was the godmother of the civil rights movement, but because she was a woman, she was often off to the side, behind the podium, behind the scenes. She was a guiding force at the table when the Big Six planned the historic March on Washington in 1963, the lone woman at a table full of men. Yet despite all her efforts, Height could not convince them that a woman should be allowed to speak at the podium the day of the march. Come on, man. 
This is so messed up. Black women were the lifeblood of the civil rights movement and still they got cock blocked by the dudes? I mean, the reverend's got half a dozen microphones right there. You can't break one of those off of my girl Dorothy? She was a critical part of the group. It's like if the Avengers were fighting Thanos, but they made Iron Man cheer from the stands. And this just shows you that black women don't just have to deal with racism from the world, but oftentimes they have to deal with the sexism within their own communities and the world at large. There's actually a term for it, misogynoir, which means misogyny against black women. And it also sounds like the title of a really fancy French movie. I would love to promote you, but unfortunately I cannot because you are a black woman. So, throughout history, black women have had their contributions to groundbreaking movements minimized or erased, whether it's women's suffrage or civil rights. And the list goes on and on and on. The role of black women in starting and founding the women's movement and feminism altogether is still not in the history books. Many don't know this, but the Me Too movement was started by a black woman, Tarana Burke, 12 years ago to support victims and survivors of sexual violence. In the modern day calls for justice and equality, there's an echo of another social movement for LGBTQ plus rights, a movement sparked and sustained by black trans women we never would have had a Stonewall if it wasn't for a black trans woman saying enough due to police brutality and police misconduct. They fought back against the police that night. Uh, in particular, Marsha P. Johnson, Sylvia Rivera, as well as Miss Major. In 2015, when they did the Stonewall movie, although we all knew that these black transgender women started that uh, that, that riot that evening, they whitewashed it and they started it and replaced them with white queer characters as the leaders of that. Damn. Wow. They pulled a reverse Hamilton on the Stonewall movie. Wow. You know what we need to do? We need to add those women into the movie with CGI. Yeah, George Lucas has the technology and he owes us reparations for Jar Jar Binks. You know when you think about it, <laughs> the gay rights movement was basically like old cool slang on Twitter. You thought it came from white gay men, but they actually got it from a black woman. So the next time you march with Black Lives Matter, or you exercise your right to vote, or your dance moves go viral on TikTok, don't forget that black women were a major part of making that happen. Mm. And if you don't know, now you know. A little history, a little history, a little history. We learn something new every day when we take time out to study on our own. And um, I like Trevor, Trevor Noah. Um, he really, really, I thought I stopped this. Yeah, I really, I really like him. And when I get a chance, um, I, I strive to, to look at the YouTube for more accurate news than daily news I watch every day. Oh, Lord, look at my... Now, this is a miracle. I need to move this. Okay, y'all, I have... <laughs> it just threw me off. I know I'm going on a rabbit trail. Now I'm going to have to move this. I have a basket where I have my lemons. And... Oh, this is open. Oh, I'm going to have to fix my avocado today. And I had lemon and limes, right? So I put the limes... In the basket here with the lemons 
and my gosh, the limes are turning yellow. That is interesting. And I need to savor. Hold on. See, I'm getting into, I'm doing too many things right now. And yes, I, I admit, at this present moment, I get easily distracted. So I, to, I need to take care of that. That's probably why they got them little bug flies flying around. But yeah, like I was saying, um, I didn't say double jeopardy, but it's like a triple jeopardy for women. Because God knew the strength of the woman and he knew what the man needed and that's why he created the woman and he said i'm gonna create this woman to be your help mate not to be your punching bag um your secret uh crystal ball you know your sex symbol you know this woman i'm gonna put in your life it's gonna help you be successful in your life and I believe a lot a lot of men have lost that and they don't know how to treasure the gift they'll um utilize a woman in whatever uh, position she allow herself to be in with that man at that particular time for the vision or for the or for the cause or whatever like they stated on here they, most of the civil activists like Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, them women were supporting them. Them women went through the brutality just like they went through the brutality by being at home and have to be their confidant while they're going back out and being um, cruelly injusted. So why not acknowledge them? But as you see, very sexist so we got to deal with uh, emotional state as a woman and really have to really wait to God himself to bring together that divine person and I believe that God brings bring people together every day it's just that because we don't know who we are as individuals, and especially men, don't really understand who they are and have their own baggage that they're not willing to talk about. And they bring that into that new relationship or to that friendship. And then you got all these um, superficial ideas on how this woman's supposed to be and act. And it's like, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. I mean, I can really talk about it because I had somebody that was a good friend. I really saw the person as a friend. But in his mind, the way how he was talking to me, trying to tell me what I need to do with my life, with my business, you know, trying to find out how much I'm, I mean, just was trying to get all into my personal space. And I had to stop one time. We, we used to go back and forth sometimes because it was like, wait, hold up, hold up. You're not paying none of my bills. I I have not... I don't even know that we ever came down to the round table to say, oh, okay, I want you to be my lady. Will you accept 
that or you know how you date or whatever. I don't know. You know, that never came across. The only thing I kept hearing is like, I want to live my life. I ain't got time for grandchildren. I ain't got time for people who always want to put their family first and all this kind of stuff. Why? Because he didn't have no family first. He felt abandoned. He chose not to be around family. You see what I'm saying? So I can understand on one side what they were saying, how he brought out how the black women wasn't acknowledged. But that's just the way this system is. And go back to what I was saying on the other feed. We have to go back and change the laws. And have to not only change the laws within the social society, the laws and the rules of the game have to be changed within the community of its own nationality. The black women with the black men. I mean, because I, I had a customer who used to always... Throw in my face, yeah. I'm looking for, I'm looking for a, 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 a Asian woman. I'm tired of black, black women, black women. I say, well, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm a black woman, and I'm in business for myself. What are you talking about? You know, so their mindset always, all automatically think that the other nationality is better than your own nationality, and that's their mindset. And then when they go over there and get hooked up with whatever they want to get hooked up, oh yeah, they get hooked up all right to the point where they're totally destroyed, but. That's for them to go through. I'm not even going to go on that rant. But that was a good little... Um, I'm eating some raisin braid, y'all. That was a good little insert that he had. And I just wanted to share it. A lot of individuals. Some people... I was, I was told one time... That they do like listen to my broadcast because I, I have flavor... Um, what the hell? Something in my, it must be the coffee shells. Um, yeah, I thought something was in my coffee, (laughs) y'all. Oh, Lord. But the, um, it didn't overflow. That's what happened. Yeah, so, when I was talking about y'all, oh, Lord. See, there I go again. Got distracted. Um. Oh, yeah. I was um one of my listening audio 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 listeners <laughs> sent me a message. I need to go check my messages too. And I'm just thinking about that. I just been busy, y'all. I've been trying to get my house back in order because I have moved. Moved some stuff and closed the office, and I had a lot of stuff in the apartment. Then I had to move from there. So, Dr. D, like, been really in the transition and just trying to get back on my feet for my mom passing. And then I had my uncle, you know, pass. And then a friend of the family, I mean, it was like, Lord, have mercy, help me, Jesus, give me some strength here. It's, it's a lot spiritually and mentally drain you, you know, when you have to deal with people passing. And, wow, I'm still like, shaking my head because I'm like, damn, my mama gone. <laughs> it's like, wow. I know we all have to go, but when you get it, I don't know. 
Damn. Thank you for all y'all listening, all your new comments. I appreciate you. Miss Dr. D. The upcoming website is almost finished. DanielIrvin.live. D-O-N-I-E-L. E-R-V-I-N. Dot live. But I say live. <laughs> and um, you can go ahead and go to that website and subscribe. So when we come live, right now it's under construction. Um, you'll know when we come live. And you have Boom Factor TV. All that's going to be connected, okay? I'm trying to stay on top of things, y'all. It's a lot sometimes. But I thank God for his grace and his mercy, you know? He's been keeping me and helping me. really have so until the next episode god bless you welcome to the daily social distancing show it's good to be with you and it's a big distance Uh, now (laughs) it definitely is a big distance um you you have been making news over the past few weeks responding to what's happening in america responding to what can easily be described as one of the most tumultuous times in not just American, but world history. I want to talk a little bit about the op-ed that you put out today. Talk me through how you would plan to undo systemic oppression, how you would plan to undo systemic racism, and, and, and how you think you'll address the needs of the African-American community. Well, first of all, uh, it's going to take time. Uh, you know, Donald Trump didn't invent racism, but he sure has promoted it. And it's systemic has been real. The disparities in the country, especially in the economy right now, the combination, there's a... There's just an awful combination. COVID-19, unemployment, systemic racism, and what's happening in terms of the way in which the, the George Floyd's uh, death took place. I mean, you know, I think about it. When I was a kid, what really changed and sparked the civil rights movement as a kid, that I was just involved in it, no great shake, just a high school, college student, was that television was around. And television came along when they saw what, Bull Connor was doing in Birmingham, Alabama. People went, whoa, I didn't know that really happened in America. Right. And then now today, everybody, not only should cops be wearing uh, body cams, everybody has a body cam. Everybody has a cell phone. And can you, if the last words of George Floyd, I can't breathe, they would have been consequential. But if they'd not seen him take his last breath, none Mm. of this would have been nearly as consequential because people are now saying, my God, yep. did you see that? Yeah, That's one of those inflection points. It really does feel like an inflection point, and it is a difficult one for many Americans to navigate because most Americans agree that there is a problem in policing between police and the black community and even many poor white communities. This is something that we know when we look at interactions between the police and American people. You have come out in favor of police reform. You know, but what what does that actually mean? Because some people think that you cannot reform an institution that is fundamentally rotten in the core. Right, right. Well, I don't think it's rotten in the core, and I don't think all cops are bad cops. But I think, look, 
90% of all the funding for police comes from local taxpayers. So the federal government under our system cannot, other than taking a civil rights action, say that mm -hmm. you're A, B, C, and D. But what we can do is we can make sure that we insist on certain fundamental changes take place now, including giving, making sure there's sensitivity training, making sure that all of cops' uh, past grievances, or excuse me, uh, transgressions are all made public. Because we can say, if you don't, we are not going to provide the federal funding that we provide for you through what they call burn grants and cop grants. And so we can, I think, now impact on significantly the desire of many police departments as well to fundamentally change the way they police. You know, many activists and organizers have come out saying there have been repeated attempts to reform many police departments. Were it not for civilian cameras, we wouldn't know the truth oftentimes. I mean, we've seen three instances in the past few weeks of major police departments being contradicted by video evidence that comes out. So some would say to you, um, uh, Mr. Vice President, if you were to become president, do you think that there would be a world where defunding the police would be the solution and getting, getting some of these responsibilities away from police forces, you know, police in schools, police handling mental illness, police handling homelessness, etc.? Well, I think there are a lot of changes they can take place, period, without having to defund police completely. Here's what I think's happened. You have well over 80% of the American people going, whoa, I didn't know this. I didn't know this was happening. I don't believe police should be defunded, but I think the conditions should be placed upon them where departments are having to take significant reforms relating mm -hmm. to the, We should set up a national use of force standard. If they don't sign on to it, then, in fact, they don't get any of the federal money. In addition, that they have to demonstrate that they release all the data that relates to misconduct by police. That all has to be sent to the Justice Department. If they don't send it to the Justice Department nationally, they don't get funding. But and as, it, as it relates to, for example, um, mental illness and homelessness and drug abuse and the like, many changes we can make. But, the, I, for example, my daughter is a social worker. She has her master's in social work. The idea that she's going to respond by herself to a 911 call that says that someone is overdosing or someone has a mental problem and they're acting out, yeah, the idea of going by themselves is yeah, not rational to expect. Yeah. Conversely, cops shouldn't go alone. Cops should go with, with people yeah. who are mental health experts. Yeah. Do you not think, though, there's an opportunity to have somebody that's not a policeman? Because, you know, the, the old adage, yeah. um, if, you, if you are a hammer, then everything is a nail. And so... Uh, you not think there's an opportunity to have people who are not even police in these environments who are trained yeah. and specialized? I mean, at mental institutions, for instance, you know, it's not police who are helping these people. It's people who are trained in diffusing these situations. No, what they are, though, they also use force in those mental institutions. When someone's out of hand, they put them in mm -hmm. straight jackets. They put them in circumstances where they have big guys come in and hold somebody down. It's not just someone walking in and saying, look, here, you've got to calm down now. I know how to deal with you. This is what... It, 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 it's not that simple, but that should be the objective. So we should put the police second in those circumstances and not first. For example, we should change the way in which we deal with all drug abuse. Nobody should be going to jail for the use of drugs. They should be going to mandatory rehabilitation. Yeah. We should be yeah. building rehab centers, yes. not more prisons. Yeah. You know, building trust between law enforcement and communities is, and, and, and to increase safety is, is to invest in, in funding of 
community policing. When we were funding community policing, the crime rate went down and the visibility of the, I mean, and, 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 the, and the extent of brutality went down too because people know who's in the community. But it's, it's much bigger than that. It's complicated. And, but I think we should turn over as much as we can to non-armed police officers to, de to de-escalate things related to mental illness, homelessness, and drug abuse. One of, one of the areas that almost everybody synony synonymously agrees on is that police unions have shown themselves to be extremely strong and oftentimes have contracts that provide impunity for the police, you know? It is hard to, to get the bad apples out of police departments. I mean, just in the case of George Floyd, you had a police officer where just from the record that people could get access to, you saw somewhere around 20 previous grievances against the police officer. So what is your plan to try and get police unions to sign on? And if they don't, is there a plan to remove some of their power or to deal with them differently? No, well, the plan would be that their departments don't get funded if they don't do the things that have to change. For example, there are bad cops, there are bad senators, there are bad docs, there are bad lawyers, there are bad... And they're all very poor at policing themselves, every one of these institutions and organizations. So you got to say, here's the deal. When a police officer is tried with a violent crime or tried with violating the law, they should not be tried by the local prosecutor. It has to be a prosecutor that doesn't handle their cases. We're going to make that a law. So there's more distance between the two. Making sure that cops can be fired for cause. Cops can be fired when, in fact, you can make the case and bring a case that indicates they have violated the law, they have violated common decency. And when that happens, you're going to see police departments changing and police unions changing. And by the way, not all unions are taking the same positions. Some unions are much more forward-leaning than other unions are. But the fact of the matter is, there has to be a fundamental change. You've got to be able to root out bad cops. And the good cops, the majority of whom are, know how it makes them all look. They look bad. It makes everyone look bad. So I think you're going to see a lot more movement in terms of police unions as well. But if it's not, they're going to have to obey the law as written. We're going to change the way in which we hold police departments accountable. One of the major things you would have to do in order to create all of this change is win an election. Yes, um, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> I that's think true. It, true. it's safe to say that America is expecting a really dirty election. We know how Donald Trump plays in an election. We've seen it up against Hillary Clinton in 2016. You know that he holds no punches. You know that he will punch below the belt. You've often said that you plan to be the president who brings America back together. But how does that play into the way you'll run your campaign? Well, first of all, uh, you know, when the Carney show comes through town the first time, everybody finds out there's no pee under any one of the three shells. Well, next time it comes around, people have a, liver, a different view. The thing we're doing is calling out every lie he, in fact, is saying. We're calling out and making a case that this guy is not a good guy. This is what he has done. What's happening is the American public, overwhelmingly now, if you notice, two-thirds of the American public thinks that the people who want to, who are protesting, are the people who are right and not the president. The president has been wrong. And so there's a lot that's changed, a lot that's changed, but it's going to be hard. 
and he's going to get very personal and say things about me, my family, my children, everything that are simply not true. But the good news is the bad news. The good news is the people know me and they know me warts and all. The bad news is they know me. And so he's not going to be able to make things stick that aren't already real weaknesses on my part. And I have weaknesses for real. What do you think some of those weaknesses are? Well, I'm not going to advertise. No, but one of the weaknesses are because I always say what I think. No one ever, no one ever has suggested that I don't mean what I say. Sometimes I say all that I mean, and that gets me in trouble. (laughs) And sometimes it does. (laughs) I I get it. And my old stuttering days, the case they come back, and I find myself uh, just to talk, you know, talking like that. And so, you know, I sometimes make political gaffes. But you know the old expression. A gaffe in Washington is a politician telling the truth. The America place in the world has been damaged significantly. The next mm-hmm. president's going to inherit a world in disarray, yeah. number one. Number two, at home, we are a divided nation in a consequential way. I've spent my whole career, and the one thing people give me credit and blame for, is bringing this, both sides together, coming up with principal compromise. And so the two things, the reason I'm running, both those issues tend to be in my wheelhouse. Doesn't mean I'm going to get them right. I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to make serious mistakes. But the point is, I take responsibility for the mistakes. Let me then ask you this. How do you plan as Joe Biden to speak to those voters who might say, you know what, I'm not a fan of Trump, but I love what he has done for the economy, and I he may be economically better off because the of him. How do you plan to win those time. people over? Well, there's not nearly as many of those people as everybody thinks. Huh. If you take a look, middle-class people and people with or on hourly wages and middle-class folks, you have over 50% of them six months ago in a poll saying they don't think that their children are ever going to have the same standard of living they have. He has really damaged the economy for hardworking and middle-class people. That's why I said the second reason I'm running is restore the backbone of this country. Hard work and middle-class people. The, we, the president has to be part of the solution, not the problem. Ordinary people are getting crushed. And guess what? If you are Latino or you're African-American, you are really getting crushed. The yeah. unemployment rate among black youth is up in the 36, 37 percent range, even higher for Latinos. Everybody's beginning to understand the way we treat people is simply not right. As president, would you then continue being the Biden who's not afraid to tell it like it is and address those issues specifically within those communities? Because oftentimes it feels like politicians run on these ideas, but then when they get into power, they say, oh, we're going to fix things for everybody. But the truth is, America has a legacy of oppressing certain people, specifically black people, and it feels like those issues and those areas need to be addressed in a very specific way as opposed to in a general way. Are you going to be willing to do that yes, and face some of the backlash that comes with it? By the way, yes, and i tell you what. One of the things I've done and I've been known for in my state is I, not only, I don't address those issues just to the African-American community. I go to the business community and make the case to the business community. I Mm -hmm. think people, you got to make the case to the people who, in fact, are the reluctant to pay their taxes to do these things and say, tell me, are you going to be better off? And I'm confident, I'm confident that you have at least 20 percent of that population, that is the folks who are in the upper income brackets going, whoa, yeah, you know, I guess I'm a little better off if there's more peace and security. We, we tend to be unwilling to make the case to the people who historically have said, 
okay, look, this is all about my not paying taxes. You can't build a wall high enough around your home. You keep pollution out. You can't build a wall high enough around your home to keep peace in the neighborhood. You can't build a wall high enough around your home to see to it that you have a safe place to move around the country. I mean, it just, and I think we got to make the case to the very people who say they're opposed. And the last point I'll make is, you know, the people who voted for Trump out of frustration, high school educated people who are busting their neck, they're the neighborhoods I come from. That's where I come from in Scranton, Pennsylvania, and Claymont, Delaware. The people I grew up with. In fact, they, in fact, understand. And I think they know, I think they know me. That's why I think the polling data is demonstrating that they know I will do what I say and respect them. You may have respect and you may have people coming out in many places to vote for you. But as we saw in Georgia just yesterday, if those people's votes aren't counted and if those people don't get the opportunity to vote, then your entire campaign yeah. may be moot. Yeah. So what is the plan up until November to make sure that people can vote, to make sure that everyone, whether it's Republican or Democrat, black right. or white, has the opportunity to vote without being in a line that's six hours long? It's my greatest concern, my single greatest concern. This president's going to try to steal this election. This is a guy who said that all mail-in ballots are fraudulent, direct, voting by mail while he sits behind the desk in the Oval Office and writes his mail-in ballot to vote in the primary. This is a guy you have 23, I believe it is, states have passed over, over uh, 82 pieces of legislation making it harder for people to vote. Harder. That's why we're putting together a major initiative of lawyers to go out and make sure that we're in every single district in the country to patrol this. We need, if I'm president, they, and this is what their worries. If I'm president, we're going to have same-day registration. The report was in Pennsylvania, there are still counting votes. We may not know, quote, this is the, the, the sort of implicit threat. We may not know who won Pennsylvania in a general election until a month after the election. Wow. What, wow. what do you think that this is about with Trump? This is a man... Do, do, you, do you worry then? Let me, let me ask you this, and I know this is a strange question to ask an American politician, maybe easier around the world, but... Have you ever considered what would happen if the election result came out as you being the winner and Trump refused to leave? Yes, I have. And I was so damn proud. Here you have four chiefs of staff coming out and ripping the skin off of Trump. And you have so many rank and file military personnel saying, whoa, we're not a military state. This is not who we are. I promise you, I'm absolutely convinced they will escort him from the White House in a, in a, with great dispatch. There are many people who have taken to the streets now. There are many black people, but there are many white people marching with them. There are many young people who say, we need a revolution. We need to see a change yeah. in this country. Yeah. I know as Joe Biden, you've often pitched, your, pitched yourself as the person who is going to bring the people together and the person who's going to transform things as opposed to just a revolution. What is your pitch to them? What is your pitch to that to that um, Bernie voter? What is your pitch to that voter who says, Joe Biden, I'm crushed by college debt. I need to see the world change. I haven't seen enough change, and I don't understand why I should vote for you. When announced, all of a sudden, I was the front runner. And the expectation was, Joe Biden, former vice president, feels like he's entitled. He's the front runner. Let's take him down. And so we spent a better part of a year with a target on my back. And now it worked out, and people are now going, oh, I've had actually people say to me, 
I didn't know that was your position in the environment. I didn't know you were the guy that wrote the, wrote the first climate change bill back in 1986. I didn't know, et cetera. I didn't know you were the guy that took on apartheid. I didn't know you were the guy that did that. I didn't know. Well, you know, so things are beginning to change and people are realizing. And I have changed. I have changed. I believe there has to be more, more debt forgiveness for college loans. I think there has to be more opportunity to go to college for free for free but we have to change corporate policy too and the tax cut imagine just concluding i I know you've got to go but imagine if we had that two trillion dollar tax cut and we hadn't wasted it on the wealthy that generated virtually no growth at all no growth at all according to most of the conservative think tank imagine if we had that two trillion dollars back when we were calling for it and say we're going to use that to educate people we're going to use that to reduce student debt. We're going to use, yeah. we'd be a different country. Leadership matters. Leadership matters. My final question to you pertains to the race. You've been really tight-lipped and you've played your cards close to your chest about who your running mates could be. People have thrown out names, Stacey Abrams, Kamala Harris, uh, you know, Elizabeth Warren, etc. I, I have a pitch for you. Last time you teamed up with someone who was half African, half white, and things went very well for you, Mr. Vice President. And I've looked at my contract and I've seen that nothing stops me from being Vice President of the United States. Were you born in America? I don't think that's an issue, to be honest, for Vice President. It is, unfortunately. <laughs> Otherwise, I'd be asking. Uh, Mr. Vice President, thank, thank you so much for your time today. Were you born um, in America? Good luck on, on the rest president. of your journey, and uh, please pass my regards to the Dr. Biden. I will, and thank you very much for having me. I hope you'll have me on again. Oh, that was so good. Well, I hope you inter- um, enjoyed the little conversation with our former vice president who is president nominee for this year and um they have other running mates um biden um compared to uh, i think uh, i don't know if elizabeth warren is still running but um that's just remember the vote right now He's 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 a running mate. Uh, I would love to meet him because I would talk to him straight, and I'll probably be one of the ones, preferably if God allowed me, to even get in his vicinity wherever he is, to really make sure that okay, now you say this, now this time we want this president. This is what we need done. Let's sign some executive orders on this. And that's what I'm going to Google it and find out how many executive orders have been signed in this White House within the last four years compared to any other president. And it amazes me how it's so easy to do a signature for executive order for something that we are protesting for 400 years for our reparation as a black community. And we can't get executive order for that. Just think about it. But until then, later, you have um, listened to uh, an interview with Trevor Noah and President nominee Joe Biden. I.
pray you enjoyed it and continue to do your own research. Go Google Joe Biden. Go find out what's his agenda. What's his his stand? You heard a little bit of it just now, but um, you do your own research. But the most important thing is go vote. Vote, vote, vote. Okay? Congressman and civil rights giant John Lewis, four former presidents paying tribute, three of them in the room as family, mm, friends, yes. and colleagues gathered in Atlanta's historic yes. Ebenezer Baptist Church to praise yes. the man who nearly lost his life in the fight for voting rights. Barack Obama, whose presidency is a product of that legacy, today offered a spirited eulogy and a rebuke of those who may threaten those rights. Inside the Atlanta church where Martin Luther King Jr. once preached. He loved America until America learned how to love him back. We celebrate John Lewis. A powerful send-off for a man who was right there with him, fighting for freedom. Thank you, O God, for this great man who lived among us, who now joins the great cloud of freedom fighters. John Lewis, born in tiny segregated Troy, Alabama, the son of sharecroppers, celebrated today by presidents, including the first black president, who says he was elected standing on Lewis's shoulders. On inauguration day in 2008, 2009, he was one of the first people I greeted and hugged on that stand. And I told him, This is your day, too. Former President Obama, one of many today, calling to strengthen the Voting Rights Act that Lewis championed. You want to honor John? Let's honor him by revitalizing the law that he was willing to die for. That's right. That's right. And while not naming him, launching a forceful attack against President Trump. George Wallace may be gone, but we can witness... Our federal government sending agents to use tear gas and batons against peaceful demonstrators. John Lewis's own words also echoing in that church. In the extraordinary essay he submitted to the New York Times just before his death, published this morning, his message to those marching now, while my time has come to an end, he wrote, I want you to know that in the last days and hours of my life, you inspired me. Emmett Till was my George Floyd. Wow. He was my Richard Brooks, Sandra Bland, yes. and Breonna Taylor. Ordinary people with extraordinary vision can redeem the soul of America by getting in what I call good trouble, necessary trouble. Though I may not be here with you, I urge you to answer the highest calling of your heart and stand up for what you truly believe. It is so fitting on the day of his service, he leaves us our marching orders. Yes. The tributes today, intensely personal. When he could have been angry and determined to cancel his adversaries, he tried to get converts instead. He thought the open hand was better than the clenched fists. I just loved him. I always will. And I'm so grateful that he stayed true to form. He's gone up yonder and left us with marching orders. I suggest 
since he's close enough to God to keep his eye on the sparrow and us, we salute, suit up, and march on. Yes. <laughs> Emotional. The night that John passed. When this flag flew there, it said goodbye. It waved goodbye to John, our friend, our mentor, our colleague. And candid. Listen, John and I had our disagreements, of course. But in the America John Lewis fought for, and the America I believe in, differences of opinion are inevitable elements and evidence of democracy in action. We live in a better and nobler country today because of John Lewis. I'm the master of my fate. Including a tribute from a 12-year-old boy Lewis met at the anniversary of the Selma March. John Lewis was my hero, my friend. Let's honor him by getting in good trouble. <laughs> a celebration of that unbreakable spirit. America was built by John Lewis's. And someday when we do finish that long journey towards freedom, when we do form a more perfect union, whether it's years from now or decades or even if it takes another two centuries, John Lewis will be a founding father of that fuller, fairer, better America. John Lewis is being laid to rest along... Wow. ...beside his wife of 44 years, Lillian. A strong back... It looked like he had a tear in his eye, y'all. Wow. That's awesome. I had an opportunity to um, watch the whole service, and I'm telling you, I will uh, mention some things about it. Uh, I, I like how they was able to tribute, but oh, Reverend Lawson did it. He He did it, and I'm surprised they don't have a snippet of it on the YouTube. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to record it on the Save Zone broadcast so you can listen to his uh, preach. And well, he was speaking, he's an activist, but he also was a Reverend, his, um, excuse me, Reverend Lawson, awesome activist. And uh, I just love his words. So that'll be coming up. I'll probably try to put that up later on, probably in the morning. I only can get, um, not, I ain't going to say only can get. It just, things are just all over the place. And I'm trying, I'm striving to categorize myself with certain things. And I have to be proactive. One thing I know for a fact, you know, when the Holy Spirit said, you better get back to your broadcast, <laughs> you know, uh, Get back to your broadcast. So that's what I'm doing, you guys. And I'm sharing it with you. And I will have uh, Reverend Lawson on the Save Zone broadcast where you can hear his entirety because I, I don't even see it on here at all. On That's what I was looking for on the YouTube. And nobody didn't capture that, but I captured it. Okay? All right. God bless you. This is really an apocalyptic time for us. In Florida, where Nurse Grover Street is on the front lines, the state has broken its single-day record for COVID death. Did not, not convey confidence, responding with a question saying, can you assure anybody of anything? 
Lester. All right, Peter Alexander at the White House. Thanks. As the death toll from COVID-19 rises quickly in this country, there's new concern tonight about children with the disease and their ability to spread it. Let's get more from NBC's Miguel Almaguer. As the COVID death toll now rises to its fastest rate in months, on Wednesday, roughly one American died every minute from the virus. In New Jersey, a 129% spike in new cases over the last two weeks. Texas leading the nation with more than 4,300 fatalities this month. This is really in an apocalyptic time for us. Wow. In Florida, where Nurse Grover Street is on the front. That's crazy. Now, when I went to go and record this, y'all, the TV wasn't acting like this. So. Wow. Lines, the state has broken its single-day record for COVID deaths for a third straight day. I got here last Wednesday, and the hospital's been full to, to capacity. And, I mean, just last night, they had 13 codes. With the nation fast approaching 4.5 million cases, tonight a new study finds children under five may be able to spread COVID as well as older kids and adults. A troubling finding for the young who are often in close quarters in schools and daycares. I think the study should have people think for a second about what we need to do to make sure that when we reopen schools are doing it in a safe manner. We can't assume that children don't get coronavirus or spread coronavirus. And just as more school districts navigate a return to the classroom, researchers at the University of Minnesota explored how the virus travels indoors, mapping where aerosols congregate. Their analysis shows a teacher talking directly under an air vent would significantly decrease the potential spread of the virus. In Arizona, some parents are being asked to sign COVID liability waivers wow. before their children come back to school. Wow. But art teacher Marcy Warner decided to retire first. I love those kids and and where I taught and what I did, but I'm not quite willing to die for them. Oh, wow. As concern grows and infections surge, Johnson & Johnson announcing its lead vaccine candidate is now headed towards phase three clinical trials in September. Progress amid setbacks. Lester. All right, Miguel Almaguer in Los Angeles. Thank you. And tonight, the domino effect of the pandemic is evident in the staggering impact on the economy as millions struggle to keep food on the table. We get the latest from NBC's Jolene Kent. When Myrna Santiago lost her job this spring, she never thought she'd need a food bank. It's uh, money saving for us in this situation. The pregnant mother of three and her fiance are among the tens of millions struggling to make ends meet. It's a, sort of a natural disaster and an economic disaster all rolled in one. The economy shrinking by nearly 33% last quarter, the fastest drop in U.S. history, worse than the Great Recession and the Great Depression. Americans spent less on clothes shoes and health care pulled back on buying new homes while dealerships added fewer cars and trucks to their lots. 
Last week, another 1.4 million new jobless claims were filed, the 19th straight week of claims over a million. The Los Angeles Regional Food Bank has been swamped. Every little bit from every little source helps. The unprecedented need for help is expected to only grow. At any given distribution, we're seeing two to 3,000, up to 7,000 families come through in a three or four hour period. And these lines of cars likely to get even longer as the extra $600 a week of federal unemployment money expires. Today, the Senate failing to pass the Republican plan to extend unemployment benefits and provide an extra $200 a week for the next three months. Democrats argued that wasn't enough. Meanwhile, Santiago has been applying for new jobs, trying to provide for her family. What are you going to do? I don't know, actually. I really don't know. That was really helping us with our rent. It was a really big help. Something so many Americans so desperately need. Jolene Kent, NBC News, Silmar, California. A fierce tropical storm is battering parts of the Caribbean tonight, and it's only going to get worse. Heavy rain is causing flash floods in Puerto Rico. Residents there are worried about possible mudslides. The storm is heading northwest and could approach Florida's east coast over the weekend. Now, parents, this is Dr. D coming to you live again on this lovely Friday, July 31st. And I'm telling you, now, parents, <clears throat> can't you see what's going on? Now, this school, they have schools open right now in other states. But the parents have to sign a waiver. You know what that waiver is? That if your child do contract coronavirus, you can't sue the school? So you have to make a conscious decision on yourself. If I'm going to jeopardize not only my child, but my life and everybody else's life that this child come in contact with because they didn't pick up something from the school with somebody else. You, you, you see the turmoil? What's really going on? Now you have all these other theorists coming out. And you know what? As I said in the beginning of this year when this started happening, you better trust in the Lord. I got my house so bloody. I mean, everywhere you turn around, you see red because it represents the blood. If I go out there, I'm covered with the blood. I'm covered with 91 song. I'm covered knowing that God said nothing by any means shall harm me. Now, yeah, I've been fighting, you know, my, my, my ailments in my body, but I'm still going forward. It's It's painful. But I'm not going to let Corona take me down. <laughs> the devil is a lie. If he ain't took me down all this time, go keep on skipping. Go ahead and do your rabbit, your rabbit skip over this house. In my neighbor's house. My family and my friends, I pray for that by any means... Nothing shall harm thee, but only to those that really, really have faith. And I'm not going to say everybody don't have faith because they have had preachers not only contracted the COVID, but died from it. So that goes to show you, too, that everybody's body is different. That's why you can't just go and jump and take medicine because some doctor that pop up on the news and say, oh, you could take chloric feel whatever that thing is with this and this and you'll be all right 
tune into Dr. Abel out of New Orleans, Louisiana, the true MD. And like he said, it has not been proven. He said, but what has been proven when people take that hydrochlorophene, that it agitates their heart rate. And soon after, guess what? They come down with a stroke or a heart attack. So it's not for everybody, y'all. Okay? Don't go jump and run and do something. If anything, do the natural thing. Boil you some gingerbread tea. Mix it with some honey and lemon and drink it every morning. Or at night, whatever how you, you know, I chops it up with my garlic and put it in my food. I'm going to do whatever it takes to to build my immune system. Because it, COVID can only take you down if your immune system is weak. Or you have any health issues. You see what I'm saying? So let's, let's use wisdom. Let's use wisdom. But I just had to make a comment on that. When I saw that, I'm like, what? The parents got to sign a waiver for their children to return to school? Y'all saying the children got to go to school, but you're going to still protect yourself? Because they already know what's going to happen with this. It's going to blow out to, to proportions to they won't be able to stop. They won't be able to. Yeah, it's going to be horrific. Especially with little children. Y'all know doggone well. Now, y'all tell the truth. Them little children, man, they come with a sneeze and they come attached to an adult and they take you down like it's like you're in World War II. When, when little children be sneezing and coughing, I back up because, man, they deadly. Them, they, they dangerous. I don't know what kind of mucus it, uh, <laughs> that they have, but, man, let them children sneeze on you or cough on you. The next day you start having a scratch your throat, your ear hurt, and your eye hurt, your body ache. Man, we, we just got to, we just got to just, I don't know, y'all. We just got to just take care of ourselves. All right, we just really got to take care of ourselves. That's all I'm saying. It's about cures and treatments that simply don't work and may even be harmful. Tonight, Tom Costello is looking into who's behind it all. I have personally treated over 350 patients with COVID. In a nanosecond, the video ricocheted across the internet, posted by Tea Party Patriots Action, featuring a group of doctors insisting masks don't work, but hydroxychloroquine does. You don't need masks. There is a cure. Even though the NIH and FDA insist that's not true, a presidential retweet made the video go viral, forcing Dr. Fauci to once again reiterate the hard science. Hydroxychloroquine is not effective in the treatment of coronavirus That's right. disease That's COVID-19. Right. While Twitter, YouTube, and Facebook removed the video, Congress demanded to know what took so long. It racked up 20 million views and over 100,000 comments before Facebook acted to remove it. Well, Congressman, a lot of people shared that, and we did take it down because it violates our policies. Of course, the Internet is full of misinformation and conspiracy theories, from QAnon to Russian disinformation to right-wing documentaries that accuse Dr. Fauci himself of manufacturing COVID. The motive? He has a very high approval rating because he gives you clear, reliable, concise, timely, and true information. That is all of the kind of information that conspiracy theorists don't want. 
it is contrary to the very heart of a conspiracy theory. But frontline ER and ICU doctors say every false medical claim and conspiracy theory makes their jobs that much tougher. It takes time away from the work that we could be doing to actually save patients or create new science. And it sends the public into pandemonium. The goal, to undermine and confuse Americans during the worst pandemic yeah. in 100 years. Lester? Tom Costello, thank you. Tonight Attention, do you... <laughs> Bro, I tell you. Anything, huh? Anything. That's all it was, confusion. And who's the author of confusion, you guys? The devil. The devil is in the author of confusion. I don't care who he used, but hey... He's going to use anybody that yield their personalities to him. And that's how you got it. Confusion. John Lewis was just 23 years old back then. I appeal to all of you to get in this great revolution that is sweeping this nation. His call for change, crystal clear. We do not want our freedom gradually, but we want to be free now. When I spoke at the March on Washington on August 28, 1963, I said then, one person, one vote. I still believe that today. For decades, never wavering. We must use this moment to recommit ourselves to do all we can to finish the work. There's still work left to be done. Always inspiring in that last essay in today's New York Times writing, Walk with the wind, brothers and sisters, and let the spirit of peace and the power of everlasting love be your guide. Keep the faith. And never, never, ever become bitter. Never, ever hate, for hate is too heavy a burden to bear. John Lewis, rest in peace. That's nightly news for tonight. Thank you for watching, everyone. I'm Lester Holt. Please take care of yourself and each other. Good night. Well, I'm going to dedicate this segment to John Lewis, Representative John Lewis. He's known as the conscience of the Congress. He's the con conscience of our being right now. I sit and watch that entire home going service. It was three hours and a half. But with that, I gained inspiration and hope. And even though we didn't have an opportunity to send my mom home with a full service, as such, but I envisioned her 
meeting all these great people that we even dreamed about meeting here in the earth in our fleshly vessels. And now she gets to meet John Lewis with Martin Luther King. I'm sure that they all enjoy each other and how she was back in the 1960, 63 and 64 rallying with Martin Luther King, becoming part of the Black Panther movement, which was not a violent movement. It was a protection. It was our own black people protecting the black people. And the women came along to help the brothers as always. And they came up with the food program to help their community to provide resources. And they opened up businesses and they began to patronize one another because they knew back then they didn't have all the luxuries that the black folks have today and got and have become complacive and comfortable and and now they're worshiping all these idols of fame and fortune and material things vehicles buildings even in the church today well not today because of COVID-19 but in previous months and years the competitive spirit jumped into the household of faith and they forgot about the people to a certain extent. But because, hey, uh, we can't really forget about the people because we need their money. So we got to keep the people happy so they can come and bring their tithes and offerings. But I still say today that no matter how chaotic it is, there's always order in chaos. And God's intervention put his foot down and he backed up and said, I'm going to stop all this. I want everybody to be able to look within themselves and see that's what's happening now. People can't keep still long enough to look at themselves, to reevaluate their life, to, to reset and restart again. Because they're still trying to hold on what they used to have or used to do and used to be. No more. We in a whole new normal now. Even for the religious folks, spiritual folks, church folks, Christians, all religions. You got to reset everything. And everybody's still trying to grasp to get their piece of pie. And at the end of the day... You can see it on the news, even through the very words of Representative John Lewis. You have to go after something that's higher than you. But no, what we see is politicians going back and forth, debating on how they're going to allow the American people to sustain their livelihood. Oh, did anybody mention Did your check stop, politician, representative, Congress, men? Did your payroll stop coming into your bank account? Did you get an eviction notice on your mansion? No. 
So how can you sit here and negotiate back and forth almost two months now to decide if we're going to allow this extension to go forward? Because now we're not going to pay nobody to stay home. Oh, but that's what you're doing. Matter of fact, it's our taxes that's paying your salary, Congressman, Representative, Senator of the House. It's the people taxes. And I, and I, I believe if each person can get out of their selves like John Lewis did, he got out of himself. And he led a revolution and took a stand physically to allow the black vote to be active. To create that law so we can vote and women can vote. What kind of action you understand? What what are you going to take away from what our great leaders have been preaching all along? Only thing we have to do is follow their beat, their heartbeat. Follow their heartbeat. Many congressmen, presidents, even honorable former President Bush, he even admit, yeah, we had our differences. But he stayed the course. He did not change what he believed in. And he stated, former President George R. Bush, he stated, that the differences of opinion makes the democracy. As a people, we should be able to, and I'm saying this now, we should be able to agree to disagree and still move forward and make whatever changes and meet the needs, whatever needs to be done, it needs to be done. And we have to do it together. It can't just be a one-way thing. It just can't, uh, you know, it just can't be a one-way or an island by yourself thing. No, it, it just can't happen. It's not going to happen anymore. And I, I love what he said. Grab hold to love. Get away. Get rid of hate. And no matter what has been done to me, I really sit down and think about it and say, you know what? I still don't hate the prayer. Of course, I was disappointed and felt betrayed and all the other emotions that a person go through when something just collapsed, that you didn't put your your heart into something to express not only your 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 unity, but but your heart and your your excitement and your your vigorously tirelessly, persistent, and consistently being there for another person. And it was supposed to have been vice versa, but it don't happen that way. Well, what he said, <laughs> it doesn't matter. Keep love close. Get rid of hate. And I can honestly say, I, I don't hate nobody. I'm disappointed that things happen the way they happen throughout the years and decades that I've been alive. But at the end of all of it, I don't hate you. I don't hate you. I have pure love for individuals. 
I have pure love for each other. And I'm asking God to really, really purify my thoughts and my my sight and my speech and my ears and my heart. Purify where I can continue to latch on to love and dispense hate. Fall away from me. Just get rid of, dismantle it. In the words of John Lewis. And that's my reflection. On this icon. I don't know why. Out of all the other ones. I watched. And I I stayed. And then I got off. But this particular. Homegoing service. I literally watched the whole thing. So I'm saying, God, why? What is there? And I'm going to have to go back. And I'm going to go back and listen to each and every one of those speakers. And pull out that nugget. God, it was a reason why you had me to watch and record this icon. And as President, former President Obama stated, that when he was up on that stand and was in the inauguration of his installment, he first turned around to John Lewis and said, this is you. Thank you. And I love that. I love that. He didn't forget. So many people forget to come back and say thank you. Thank you. And that was a great example of Yahshua in the Bible. When he healed the ten lepers, and ten came, but only one came back and said, thank you. And because he came back, he said, not only that you are healed, you are made whole. Whoa. And I wonder why a lot of times we experience different things. And it and it's, it, 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 it fizzle. Let's put it like that. It fizzle. Is it because we never go back and say thank you? I strive my best to tell people thank you. I show my appreciation. I, I love giving. I'm going to have something coming up soon. And I just, you know, I love it. But do anybody come back and say thank you? I appreciate you. You've been a blessing to me. And I say thank you. And I know several individuals did that before they passed on to glory. They made a phone call. They came and sit and talk with me. You know, they sent the email for us to come come together. And it was a thank you in there. It was all the things that was revealed and done. In so many words, I love you. I appreciate you and I thank you. This is what you did for me. That's what you did for me. And I didn't ask you to do that, and you didn't have to do it. But we was in a whole nother state, and you took time out to make sure that I came and ate. You looked after me. My dear sister, and it touched my heart because it was like I had just spoken. I just spoken to her. I just spoke to her on the phone. She called me.
and I saw this young woman blossom and she was doing good and she looked good and she she was always back and forth in the hospital then all of a sudden she just the weight got off and I mean she was beautiful and she called me and she said Doc I just want to say thank you I appreciate you I got some things coming up and I want you to be a part of this and I want you to do me a favor. He said, we're we going to get together soon. He said, because some stuff happening and, and it's coming up in July. And I got to go meet with somebody. But I want to I wanna introduce you to some people. And we just talked and we talked about the, the awards. And, you know, when I saw it in the awards. And she just said, I just want to say thank you. You didn't have to do that. You, you checked upon me. You made sure that I eat. You brought me water. You, I mean, you gave me a ride when our ride left, left us. You gave me a ride back to the hotel. You was, you was there. You did my, my, my promo ad. You, I mean, I didn't ask you to do anything. You didn't ask to pay. You didn't ask me to pay you anything. You just did it. I said, well, I mean, it wasn't nothing for me to do. That's, you know, that just me, Dr. D, right? That just me. But just to know that that person, that just one act of kindness, which was several acts of kindness, but she remembered. She remembered me. And I needed that at that time because sometimes I felt like I never was remembered. No matter what I've done and been a blessing to people and, and, and see that they move forward and everything goes the way they wanted to go. And I always, I felt, that's how I felt. And I was beginning to be angry with God. I'm like, you keep telling me to so, 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 do, 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 serve, serve, serve. And at the end of it, it's like, I got to start all over again. What is this? And then I get the phone call. Somebody remembered me. And it almost took me off because... Two weeks before then, or a month before then, I'm trying to think of the timeline, but I had four people that was dear to me pass that I literally had spoke to, saw them, embraced them with a hug, communicate with them on the telephone. And within a week, two days, the next day, my Lord, they gone. And it did something to me, y'all. I gotta, I gotta confess and say this. It did something to me. It did something to me spiritually, and it did something to me mentally. And I was in a battle. The enemy was trying to take me down, y'all. I was battling. And and when I tried to try to, someone had called and and dear and they're more um one of my seasoned saints um and when she texted and and I responded back and began to talk and we spoke a little bit I had to get off the phone because right then and there I knew nobody can't help me with this but the Lord 
Because when you try to share your heart and how you really feel about something, that go to the the script the the scriptures sharpshooters. They're starting to spit them out like a machine gun. And I'm like, all right, I know those scriptures, but at this moment, I just need to talk and get this out. So I had to just cut that short. Oh, I gotta go. I appreciate you calling me. Thank you. Yes, I'm I'm okay. And at that time, really, I was not okay. I didn't have no food. I didn't have no money. I had eviction notice on my apartment door that I just moved into about six months. Well, yeah, about a year. How long I've been in this place? Cause yeah, we I just we did we did the lease. It was rough. <clears throat> Things that was supposed to happen didn't happen. But I'm just saying all that. I know I done went down a travel hey, a rabbit trail. But the whole point is in remembrance. Who do you remember that was a blessing to you that you did not went back and say thank you? I think on this lovely Friday, we all should take time out and do that. And just say thank you. And don't just be casually. What do you really thank the person for? She called and she was specific. She said, you always been a blessing. I watch you. You know, I know you on your broadcast. Yada, yada, and I'm telling you, you're a powerful woman of God. I just love your energy. You know, you just be everywhere. Da, 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 da. She said, but I got to thank you because this particular time, da, 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 A, B, C, D, F, she specified. She said, but this particular time, I just want you to know that you was a blessing to me. And I want to personally tell you, thank you. And she did say thank you at that time, but she took effort. And that's the thing. Being grateful is taking effort to show why you, effort, you know, why you are grateful. Remembrance. Who do you remember? Former um, President Obama turned around and remembered John Lewis. Before he did anything, he said it. He said, I had to turn around and embrace him first. Because it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be able to be standing up here. Whoa, that's powerful. I wouldn't be here if, if it wasn't for that person back there. When nobody didn't believe in me and encouraged me, that person was there and encouraged me. So I got to go back and say thank you. Nobody else wasn't sowing seeds and giving offerings and doing fundraisers, but that person was. And I know that person was barely making it herself, but she was there. She was faithful. I just want to say thank you. And he embraced him and gave him a medal of honor. You see what I'm saying? And I know my day coming. I know my day coming. But I want God to make that day happen. I'm not going to try to force nothing. I'm going to do what I can with what he gave me. And he has given me a lot. 
And the devil try to take me down. Try to make it seem like you ain't did nothing. You ain't about nothing. Nobody won't be bothered with you. You ain't going nowhere. You definitely can't go nowhere. Now you have no transportation and barely. Now since social distancing, how you going to get out there? Ha ha. I got you. No, you don't got me. No, you don't got me, devil. No, you don't. You think you, you thought you did, but no, you don't. I'm girded up with the truth, the righteousness. In my failures, the word of God tells me the many afflictions of the righteous. The righteous may fall seven times, but God say, I will deliver him or her out of them all. The Lord brings you back. He raised you up. In the words of Maya Angelou, I still rise. Oh, yeah. I still rise, and I'm going to rise in Christ, Yahshua HaMashiach. I will rise in him. And when he is lifted up, that's when all men and women, children, you, senior citizens, will be drawn unto him because I allow him to come into me. I take responsibility. Say yes. My life is not my life. And I can't be bought with a price because I already been bought with a price. Come on now. So I want to encourage you guys out there. Come on. I know it's rough. It's tough. The corns are, uh, 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 <laughs> man. But just hold on because God going to show up. Oh, yes, he will. He may come right at that. They say 11.59, he going to come 11.58 in 30 seconds before that deadline. Yes, he will. He going to come. And when he come, he's going to take care of you. Oh, he's going to take care of you. He's going to take care of you. He's going to love you. He's going to care about you. But we have to learn how to trust in him with everything. Everything, y'all. Everything. Got to trust God with everything in our lives, man. We got to give it all up. We got to give it all up. And I know I didn't add it all this in here, but hey, it's coming. I'm going to let it flow because I don't know when I'm going to get back on here today because I got to get in this office, my home office, and get some work done. So let's take away. You have your own specific thing that God reveals things to you. Stop trying to see what this one's saying and doing it. No, you sit there and, and, and pay attention with the little details on what God have you doing and saying. And will he have you around? Will he have you watching? Why? It's the reason why I don't be watching movies just to be watching it. I skim through my movies. I say, okay, what's, the, oh, what's this about? True events. So what happened here? I want to see what's going on with the true events because lately they've been having a lot of true events and psycho stuff going on right here in Texas. Houston, Dallas, Waco. These little buck towns in Texas, they got a lot of stuff going on, man. And you ain't hearing about it, but it's on the TV. So you got to be careful out there, y'all. Don't get hooked up with people just to get hooked up because I'm telling you, you get hooked up with somebody and you you just the innocent bystander, but because of association, because of association, it may take your life. 
And I don't mean to bring her name in this here because justice need to be done for my, for, for this young lady, Breonna Taylor. But because of association. You see what I'm saying? Association. Took her life. When she done turned her back on that, on that person. And say, uh-uh, I can't be dealing with this here. I'm trying to live my life. I got a job. I, I'm doing good. Uh-uh, I got to walk away from this person. And normally that's what happens. I'm not saying that's what happened, but in a relationship like that, when you find out what? You're a what? A drug dealer? Oh, no. Uh-uh, uh-uh. Nah, you can't mess up my life. And she walked away and was beginning to start her new life. But because of association. Come on. Come on. Let me go. God bless you. I appreciate you tuning in to the Boom Factor Radio. Dr. D is coming. I'm coming. I'm coming. I, I, have, to, I have to prophetically speak out over myself. And put in the airwaves to motivate myself. To make sure, hey... Got some good stuff coming, y'all. Good things come to those that wait. And I've been waiting for a long time. Hold <laughs> oh, on, my neighbors out here with that big old dog. My only thing is I hate when they be pooping and they come in front of your yawn, your lawn and pooping your area. Mm-mm, go somewhere else with that. All right, y'all. Much love. God bless you. Wherever you're tuning in. Thank you. I see the listening audience plays uh, increasing, and I appreciate all the new listeners. Um, you can always email me at boomfactortv at gmail.com. Uh, the launching of the website is being upgraded at danielleirvin.live. It's D-O-N-I-E-L. I'm going to put it in the description urban.live go ahead and subscribe so when we hit the world running you'll be the first to get all the updates YouTube broadcasts and everything that's coming along with what we are doing um, and I'm saying we because my daughter has helped me do some stuff and yeah all this time I've been by myself with the Father, Son and the Holy Ghost but physically I, I, I'm going to have some help <laughs> so um, just um Just be blessed. Take time out to understand what you have to do at this time. It's a reset. 2020 is reset. We could just say 2020 is gone. Tomorrow will be August already. Isn't that something? This year is gone, y'all. It's gone. We're going into the last, the third quarter of the Western Canada year. And we are entering into a new year. For God's calendar coming up. Yeah, already. Okay, you guys, God bless you. Share this broadcast with someone. Somebody needs to hear something to help them in their life. As always, this is my audio diary of my life. And in, in if you've been with me since 2017, you see there's been some good times, some sad times, some up and down times, some fighting times. Man, it's been some stuff going on through this radio station, right? But through it all, I'm still here. Wow, I'm still here. 
And in a saying, um, that one of the characters, the one of the characters on the fear of the walking dead, it said, you're not gone until you're gone. So I'm still here. I'm not gone until I'm gone. All right. Y'all be blessed. y'all this is dr d with the boom factor coming to you live on the road um had to come right quick to run some errands and you know it's the end of the month and you need to take care of your bills and um so i had to go to the bank and normally i go through my eight great lady if you're gonna go ahead go um know so you got to get money so you can pay your bills i mean the new month is tomorrow so anyway i knew i couldn't take out um you know your your bank only have limits they only allowed you to take up i guess about six hundred dollars out your account but i had needed more than that i said well since i need to do an update and get some new um withdrawal slips or whatever right i just go ahead through the drive-thru i ain't feel like getting out well, lo and behold, um, she stated that I had a, a password on my account, which I know I didn't, because I know my account. Um, only person I have access to my account is my daughter, and that's only if something happened. And <laughs> I understood what she said at the end. It was the protection of, it's for the protection, right, of, of my, um, on my account they have to ask that but I'm like I've been getting money out of my account I ain't never been asked even when I withdraw money I I withdrew almost like two three four thousand dollars at one time out of my account I ain't never was asked my password you know and so and like I had a laughing at the end I said oh I know what it is because I'm not all dressed up I got my little bonnet on and she said oh no no it's not that it's not that <laughs> And welcome to the broadcast. If you're tuning in, uh, I'm not going to say her name, but she introduced herself to me. And uh, I understood what she had to do. But at the beginning, it was like, first of all, you had took my money. I mean, you took my request, right? Then this other truck came up to the commercial line and she just literally stopped. So I was sitting there at least about 10, 15 minutes before she got to me. And she went and served the other customer. And I'm like, wait a minute. I think I was here first before he pulled up. I know he's a vendor, but guess what? A, a commercial, that's the commercial lane. Um, I just couldn't understand that part first. The delay on that, I got skipped. Then I felt like I was being interrogated to find out if that was my account. She said, oh, you have a password on your account. Um, do you know it by any chance? Uh, a password? through a drive-thru hmm why is that oh well it just your account had a flag on it oh my account don't have no flag well you had to put it on no i did not (laughs) ma'am so i wasn't gonna sit here and go back and forth and i said well do i need to come inside and she said well you can if you want to and i was like well you know what no 
So I heard and looked at my account online through my app. So I went into it and I said, well, I just got into my account right here on my app and I don't see no flag or no warning or anything. So I'm, I need to find out what's going on. I need my money. You know, so after all of it was squared away, you know, she explained it was only for the protection of my account, that the account had a, 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 a code. If anybody wanted to redraw money, needed a code. No, no, all that was a lie. I'm sorry. I just, I didn't feel like going back and forth and make a big scene because I had things to do today. But um, I, I, I don't appreciate that. I really didn't. I really didn't. I've been with them for almost, let me see, 2009, 2019, almost 10, what? This is 11 years I've been with that bank. And they've been a blessing with me to even start my small business, you know, back in 2009. You know, and so that's the only reason why I'm staying with them because they was a blessing to me, and I need to open up another business account. And prayerfully, um, that I know I didn't have no flag on my account, so why all of a sudden that this uh, representative asked me these questions about my account just to get my money out? I, I just, I don't know, y'all. That just, that just did something to me. I, I don't, I don't understand that. You know, everybody have their policies and procedures, but I never experienced, no matter how long I've been doing banking, that they ask you for your password through a drive-thru. That's the question. And I might even write the CEO and find out, is that a new policy? Because I just went on my account and I didn't have no flag. I didn't have no warning or anything through my app. That's all. That's crazy. Proceedings are typically secret by law, but previously the Attorney General's office released 15 hours of audio recordings, revealing at one point at least the jurors wanted to hear more. We're not going to videos, just because of time. And we get time. Kentucky's Attorney General says that he disagrees with the judge's decision, but will not appeal it, adding that he only asks for the charges that can be proven under state law. Philip. All right, Gabe, thank you. A longtime Houston police officer has died, and a second officer has been wounded in the line of duty. Police say 51-year-old suspect opened fire on the two at an apartment complex while they were investigating a report of a disturbance. Officials say the suspect surrendered after a tactical unit responded to the scene. The officer killed has been identified as 65-year-old Sergeant Harold Lloyd Preston, a 41-year veteran of the department who is preparing to retire this year. Houston's police chief says Preston was shot more than once in the head, and the second officer who was shot in the arm is expected to survive. During the final leg in the race for the White House, with less than two weeks to go until the election, President Trump is holding a rally in North Carolina today, while Joe Biden is prepping for the second and final debate tomorrow night. NBC's Susan McGinnis has the latest. Two weeks before Election Day, President Trump and rival Joe Biden heading into the final stretch. The president heading to Pennsylvania and was expected to be accompanied by First Lady Melania Trump, but her office says a persistent cough related to her COVID infection forced her to drop out. 
Even though COVID has hit close to home, the president counting on his go-to strategy of massive rallies, telling Fox News. There has never been rallies with this kind of love and this kind of numbers. I mean, we're 40,000, 30,000. The president has fallen behind Biden in Pennsylvania, and he's protesting a Supreme Court decision that ballots from that state can be counted up to three days after Election Day. Early voting in dozens of states is up 300 percent from 2016, Wisconsin joining the list. What's driving you to the poll this, this election cycle? What is it? Everything is driving me here today. Biden off the trail to prepare for Thursday's debate in Nashville, relying on ads to carry his message, some aimed at the Latino community. Joe Biden nos permitiría arreglar los daños. After the last debate featured near constant interruptions, the, the question is, is the radical question, left, will you shut up, your, man? The Commission on Presidential Debate says it will mute the microphone of the candidate who's not speaking, enforcing the rules both sides agree to that prohibit interruptions. These people are not good people, this commission. Uh, a lot of funny things go on with them. While complaining, the president's saying he still plans to attend. Susan McGinnis, NBC News, Washington. While Joe Biden isn't expected to make any campaign stops today, his former running mate is holding his first in-person event. NBC's Mike Memoli has more. Mike, good morning. With Joe Biden once again off the campaign trail today, getting ready for tomorrow night's final presidential debate, his campaign is deploying perhaps its most powerful political weapon to fill in. Former President Barack Obama today will hold his first in-person events of the 2020 campaign, trying to rally the early vote for his former vice president in a key battleground state. Obama will hold a drive-in rally in the city of Philadelphia, the first of what we expect to be several events with just 13 days until Election Day. Now, this is the Biden campaign is also touting some unconventional endorsements. Retired Admiral William McRaven, who oversaw the raid that captured and killed Osama bin Laden, describing himself as a pro-Second Amendment, pro-life Republican, announcing that he had voted for Joe Biden the first time he'd voted for a Democrat. Former Republican National Committee Chairman Michael Steele also crossing the aisle, announcing his support for the former vice president. And USA Today, which has never endorsed any candidate in a presidential election, urging its readers to vote for Joe Biden on Election Day. Philip? All right, Mike, thank you. President Trump is facing a serious cash crunch in the final sprint to the election. His re-election campaign is just over $63 million left in the coffers, nearly three times less than the Biden team. But the president is trying to make up for lost ground with a flurry of rallies and interviews. NBC's Tracy Potts joins us with more. And Tracy, the president did have a huge cash advantage. Right, Francis. The president had a lot of money. He raised a lot of money since taking office in 2017, over a billion dollars for this campaign. So that left him with a major cash advantage. But here's the thing. He has spent a lot of that money. Take a look. According to the Associated Press, the president has $63.1 million left for the next 13 days. That's about three times less than Joe Biden, who reportedly has a hundred. 77 million and we can see a lot of Biden's money is being spent on ads especially in battleground states. So where did the Trump money go? Take a look. 10 million dollars went to a Super Bowl ad. That was before the Democrats even had a nominee. Over 7 million went to Trump properties. 36 million spent on Trump merchandise and about 40 million to legal fees, part of that from his impeachment trial. Now veteran Republican consultant Mike Murphy told the Associated Press, quote, 
You could literally have 10 monkeys with flamethrowers go after the money and they wouldn't have burned through it as stupidly. End of quote. Whoa. Now, the president appears unconcerned. He's tweeting that he's never had a stronger chance of winning. But this cash disparity leaves the Biden campaign a chance to blanket the airwaves in the final days of this uh, of this campaign. We saw it just last night debuting an ad during the World Series. There is so much we can do if we choose to take on problems and not each other and choose a president who brings out our best. Joe Biden doesn't need everyone in this country to always agree. Just to agree, we all love this country. And then today, Biden is picking up some help from his former boss, President Obama, who's campaigning for him in Philadelphia. Both candidates really honing in on battleground Pennsylvania. Francis. Yeah, and we'll see uh, where that money makes a difference soon enough. Tracy, thank you. And tomorrow, Donald Trump and Joe Biden will face off at the next and final presidential debate. Join us for special coverage beginning at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific, here on NBC. There are growing concerns this morning about the increased spread of COVID-19. 40 states are experiencing a rise in cases. Chicago is reporting more than 500 new infections a day. And a growing number of states are finding more people testing positive in nursing homes. But it's not just the case counts that are rising. There are also disturbing increases in hospital admissions across the country. In North Dakota, just over a dozen ICU beds were available in the entire state yesterday. And Europe is battling similar troubling trends. Now researchers in England are planning a controversial approach to testing a vaccine. NBC's Richard Engel joins us now with the details. Philip Francis, this would be very different. It would be the first time in public anyway that scientists have intentionally given people COVID to fight COVID. Scientists at this London hospital are preparing to deliberately infect volunteers with the coronavirus to test the effectiveness of vaccines and treatments. The so-called challenge trial is much faster than what's happening now with volunteers around the world who live normally at home and may or may not ever become infected. In a challenge trial, infection is guaranteed. Sophie Rose, a student at Johns Hopkins University studying in the UK, wants to take part. The best way to tackle this problem is to start with these trials uh, in a young, healthy population where the risk is lower. What happens if one of these volunteers dies? So when these sorts of trials are designed, they are definitely informed and it is acknowledged that there is a risk of death. The first step? infect 90 volunteers 18 to 30 years old with the minimum required to get them sick enough to then test vaccines or treatments but not enough to make them seriously ill some researchers object on ethical grounds they inject healthy volunteers with the uh, virus for uh, which we have no cure at the moment if we would have a cure an effective treatment uh, i would be all for it the challenge trials still need approval here in the UK, but that's expected to be granted. They could begin as early as January. Francis Phillip, back to you. All right, Richard, thank you. It's not even November yet, but winter has already arrived for the Midwest. Heavy snow fell across much of Wisconsin, with some cities buried in as much as six inches. And it was a similar scene in neighboring Minnesota, a reminder for drivers to slow down and watch out for a slippery rope. Let's see what today's gonna look like
Good morning, you two. Good morning, everyone. This is a strong storm system. We're currently seeing a break in Montana and the northern tier, but we've already had reports of over 13 inches of snow since Sunday. Right now, accumulation totals calls for at least another six to eight inches, some higher terrain, those mountain areas up to 12 inches of snow. Satellite composite radar, you can see it's starting to die down, but we do have another wave that's going to enter the area. Also watching some severe storms right now for the Ohio Valley. That's a look at the big weather story of the day. Here's a closer look at your day ahead. The cooler air is going to continue to seep in across the upper Midwest into the Great Lakes this afternoon. Grand Rapids, a high of 57, but look at this heat. It's a change in the weather pattern for San Antonio all the way into Tampa. We're still in the mid 80s. A completely different pattern for uh, the West Coast. We do have elevated fire danger. We'll talk about that coming up. All right. Talk to you in a bit, Janessa. Thank you. One California bank had some masked bandits break in, but it's not what you think. Two young raccoons made their way into the bank while it was closed to the public. A local humane society said it chased the wannabe robbers around for 10 minutes before being able to safely shoo the naturally masked bandits wow. right out of the building. I don't know. Raccoons are shady, you know. I right? think they were decoys. You should have checked what was going on around the corner. Right? <laughs> oh, wow. So they got a snowstorm. Jesus. A snowstorm in the north when it's fire going on in the west. Boy, I tell you, that's something, huh? What's they talking about? Day has the story. If you pull some crap and unregister me to vote, I will hunt you down. You have no right! No right! By the end of what? the primary election, I was up to nine death threats. Whoever's in charge of this should be hung from a tree. He's Kentucky Board of what? Elections Executive Director Jared Deering. And these are just some of the voicemails he's getting at the office. Go find a gun and kill yourself. It's incredibly disturbing. Same scene in Nevada where Deanna Spicula is running two of the swing state's elections offices. They are cursing at our, our staff. They're using very threatening words. And hitting workers across the country just trying to do their job. Damn you! I will destroy you in a court of law. I just hope and pray every night that you get mangled up in a horrible car wreck oh my and you God. die slowly over hours. We've always seen what? some level of anger from the electorate. But this year, it's getting extreme. This is upsetting. This is disgusting. And adding fuel to the fire, a commander-in-chief who's throwing doubt on the process. This is going to yep. be a fraud like you've never seen. Presidential years are always a little more um, heightened as far as tensions out there, but this one has been um, just over the top as far as anything I have ever seen. She's talking about things like this. It came to her office in the mail, a weaponized ballot that reads here at the top, sealed with COVID-19 spit. Oh. I couldn't even... What? fathom a reason why somebody would do something like that. It doesn't really have a party line that it's focusing on. I think everyone's on edge right now. It might just be one of the worst jobs in America at this point. So throw in the towel? Not happening for these two. It does get to you, but this is the career I chose. And this is going to sound like a ridiculous statement, but you know there, there are 50 states, six territories, and there are 56 elections directors uh, across the country. You know, I have one of the 56 best jobs in the country. I'm Andrea Day, CNBC. Wow. You mean to tell me the, 
the mail clerks for the voting mail is getting that type of phone calls, man, that's a bottom note. That's a bottom note. And you already know what side that's coming from. There's no doubt about it. There's no doubt about it. I think that is really a low blow. You want to send words, and words are powerful, you know. So I just pray for those clerks. And like they say, they're going to keep doing their job, but it's just, man, you guys, I didn't realize how serious this is. Man, this is some serious stuff. Boy, this is like, like the Hunger Games, <laughs> you know. You, you battling for your life with these votes, man. And that just shows us how powerful our vote is. They wouldn't be doing all of this if it really didn't matter, all right? So your vote matter, and always remember, Saturday um, at 11, we're going to have a voter panel, first boom factor TV um, show. We'll be presenting um, our voter matters panel. We will have uh, Authentic Z, um, Zach L. Grace on the feed. We're going to have our awesome um, resurrection for you with our uh, with Gloria out of calendar, um, preferably we'll have a special guest. Uh, I'm not going to announce it because they haven't confirmed anything yet, even though I did send it short notice because I didn't even know I was going to do it. But if we have a representative from, from the campaign, that's going to be exciting. I don't know yet, but I've sent it. But we will have uh, another um, young lady going to be joining us and I want to see what they got to say about this case again if it's the same thing they're talking about um or they just going through the the different thing okay so yeah you guys um so we got some stuff coming up so stay tuned and god bless you and I'll keep you posted local level in this major British city and take a listen to what the mayor said when he heard that his city was going to be locked down despite him trying to resist that we need national unity and that is why I now look to parliament to intervene and make a judgment on a fair financial framework for tier 3 lockdowns because make no mistake this was not just about greater Manchester all parts of the country may find themselves in a tier three lockdown at some point this winter. Whoa. So Kira, we're also learning about new restrictions in Ireland. What can you tell us about that? Yeah, Ireland is uh, really one of the places that is struggling uh, around Europe uh, and they have imposed a, a six-week lockdown. Uh, so that is really tough. What they're trying to do is protect schools there, so they're keeping schools open, which is, of course, something that didn't happen with those European lockdowns back in the spring. Uh, but just take a look at some of the restrictions they put in place. Uh, movements in Ireland limited to five kilometres. Uh, that's around about three, three or four miles around people's homes. They've actually got checkpoints on the what? roads in Ireland. 25%, only 25% capacity on public transport. And most Retail stores are closing. Oh so Ireland is facing a Dang. another very tough 
lockdown, the issue is, and this is where I think it's really getting into people's heads in Europe, and, and, and the, the challenge is, is psychological as much as medical, if you like, is the issue is, is that people uh, know that even after this lockdown, uh, the virus can resurge, as we're seeing in many places. All right, Keir Simmons in London. Thank you so much, Keir. Let's look now at what's making news around the world this morning. Matt Bradley joins us now from outside Notre Dame in Paris. Matt, good morning to you. Isn't that lovely? Good morning, guys. So, <laughs> hope you can hear the sirens. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, basically, we're starting out the day. I mentioned that uh, Chinese, uh, that Chinese test for that vaccine. That I mentioned yesterday was successful. Now it seems that the Brazilians, it was successful in mass testing in Brazil. One of four throughout the world that have been so successful. Now it seems that the Brazilians are going to actually be incorporating that into their massive nationwide vaccine plan. And of course, Brazil was the most affected when it came to this, uh, this virus in Latin America. It's one of the most uh, devastating effects that we've seen over the past uh, couple of couple over the past year. And now it looks as though they might have a glimmer of hope on the horizon. Now, in Nigeria, we saw about two weeks of protests over the last um, over the last month. And, you know, it's been really damaging there. The reason why they're protesting is they're protesting against this one part of the police that has been really abusive. Human rights groups have accused them of murders, extrajudicial killings, even theft. And it's an anti-theft group. That group was recently disbanded, but still the protests against police brutality in Nigeria continue. And just yesterday, we saw soldiers deployed onto the streets of Lagos. They actually shot at several protesters. So that's a very grim turn for the situation there. We can expect that with that kind of action, that these protests are going to continue. They're going to get worse and worse. Now, skipping ahead, I know we have some COVID news. We all know that the Pope wears a funny hat. Now he gets to wear a mask. Pope Francis had resisted, well, I shouldn't say resisted, but had not been really wearing a mask in public over the term of this whole crisis, uh, over this past year. Now, for the first time, this very elderly Pope, he's very much in the, in the age group that could be of high risk. He's now wearing a mask in public for the first time at mass. So good for him and good for those around him in the Vatican. Guys? All right, Matt, thanks so much. We'll see you in a little bit. Let's get a check on your morning news now, weather. Which, of course, means Bill Karens is joining us. Good morning. All right, you guys. Man, there's some stuff going on all over the world, which I already knew that. But Ireland have a serious lockdown. And guess what? They're going to want to have the lockdown sooner or later and stop the movements because, but they don't want to do that. Um, because it's no type of economic relief for the people. And as you heard also, they're still back and forth in Manucci with this, with this stimulus bill. And um, I, I'm trying to understand why y'all just don't go ahead and do the right thing and release that bill to deal to help with the people. But they're not going to have the $1,200 payment in there. Why not? You got the people waiting all the way since May. Wait, let me see. They re- finally released the first stimulus, what, in May and June? Okay, we're going to have to go into November. This is the middle of the month. October is over with next week. Y'all see what I'm saying? I'm like, God, this, these, I mean, what are they waiting for? I just, it just, this is horrible. 
this is horrible. And that's one thing somebody need to ask Biden. Okay, Biden, when you get in, well, he's not going to be inaugurated until January. So he really can't do anything, enforce anything until January. You know, so they're just rotting this thing out. And I, I really believe that is sad. That is sad. But Ireland shut down for six weeks. Oh, my goodness. And they got roadblocks. And Nigeria just going crazy over there. They shooting up the people, <laughs> the protesters. See, it, it's just, it's just, man, it's all type of, all type of anguish all over this world, y'all. It's not just us here in, in, in the United States. It's everywhere, globally. God allowed this to happen globally. Why? Because we have turned our backs on God. Too much sin, y'all. I'm sorry. It's too much me right and not God's kingdom rights. That's all. God said, acknowledge me in all thy ways and I will direct your path. You know? So. Whoa. That's all I got to say is whoa. Whoa, 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 whoa. What a time we in, y'all. What a time, what a time, what a time. We got to get things back to line. It has to get back to line. It has to get things back in line. Right now, everybody's out of line. Everybody's out of alignment. Nobody's not in their right. Well, most of the most of the people, I ain't going to say everybody, but I'm striving my best to be in the line with God. It ain't no easy task either. Okay, y'all, I know it's not no easy task. Mm. I'm calling over here to this house. Ain't nobody answering the doggone phone. That my nephew, he got to get up and get on this bus because he, he getting put out of school, y'all. Well, matter of fact, he's already put out of school. We got to go to a meeting Monday. This boy went to school. And wasn't doing nothing in school, y'all. Nothing. That's why I'm calling him out. Nothing. And he think it's a joke. You know. And he just don't understand his, his grandfather is trying his best to take care of him. Because y'all know my mama was taking care of them children before my mama died. And me and my, my daughters was talking. It's like, wow. That household really put stress on my mama. Because we were stressed. I'm telling y'all. I was so tired. I'm dealing with this situation since Sunday. We 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 was um, told at the last minute about some stuff that was going on over there. All right. So today is Wednesday. Yesterday, after I, I finished with my grandbaby, we was wore out. Everybody, my daughter, everybody was saying, "Mom, we was tired. Lord, this was draining mentally. It's like I just had to sit back, even though the even the counselor had came." to the house and she said Miss Danielle I don't know how y'all do it I gotta sit back I need a drink what is going on you know and that's why I was saying in my other episode men y'all gotta give women their props women know how to manage a house a woman know how to keep things going a woman know how to set out fires even if you come in on fire she know how to put that fire out on you if you give her opportunity to be what God made her to be God created that woman to help the man. He said, he said, I created woman to be a helpmate to you, Adam. 
and the enemy just came in and, and just started taunting all this foolishness. And that's why I don't I don't agree with everything with the feminists, with the women and all of the other stuff, but we have to respect that woman. The woman is not a punching bag. The woman is not a, a, to be abused and mistreated. A woman has value. And I guess I'll take this day to talk about domestic violence because I come out of that. And I just want to encourage men, respect your woman, okay? Respect your woman.